Blog Talk Radio. Good afternoon, everyone. This is Conversations on New Jersey Education, a program designed to bring uh, leaders of the educational community and uh, a discussion on the educational issues that affect all of us in the education community uh, to you. Uh, you're, you can participate in that conversation if you want. You can dial one. 347-989-8904 and press number one and Robin who is watching uh, monitoring our switchboard will get your name and topic and we'll put you up on the on the air or if you just want to we have a uh, chat room feature you can uh, you have to log in and register with blog talk radio but there's no fee for that and once you uh, log on you can just type your question in the chat room and I will pass it on um, as I said, uh, this is a, uh, a little bit of a series on legal topics that have changed during the pandemic. And uh, with me is Phil Stern. Phil is with the law firm of DeFrancesca, Bateman, Kunzman, Davis, Lair, and Flom. Uh, and I'll, he'll talk about that firm in a couple of minutes. And uh, the issue that we'll be discussing today is negotiations. One thing during this whole pandemic and the COVID-19 scenario is that things that we – everyday things, and we always had about a third of our districts in negotiations. The framework uh, pretty much stayed the same, but even in something like this, uh, it has changed. So I'd like to w- welcome Phil Stern. How are you doing, Phil? Great, Ray. Thank you. Thank you. And thanks for asking me to, to do this with you. Uh, our pleasure. Uh, so first of all, where's your firm located, in, uh, and uh, how long have you been working with school districts? Yeah, um, I've been working with school districts for about 30 years now. Um, I was a teacher before that, uh, so I've been in, in education for about 40 years. Um, uh, our firm, DeFrancesco Bateman, is in Warren, New Jersey, in Somerset County. It is mostly a, a public sector law firm representing um, municipalities. My own specialty is in representing boards of education, colleges and universities. Um, and I've had the privilege of uh, representing boards, um, as I said, over the last 30 years and hope to continue to do so for the foreseeable future. Okay. Uh, so uh, as I said in the opening, uh, the pandemic has changed a lot and we'll be going into a lot of these issues, even with negotiations, whether you should be remote or in person. Um, I guess the first question, and I know a lot of I got this question a lot from board members, is there was even a hesitancy to start negotiations during this time period because they felt it was there was so much unknown. Uh, so, what are some of the thought processes? You your contract's up, so you have to do something. So, what's the thought process uh, when you have that time period before you? Great, great question in these times, Ray. Uh, I, I strongly recommend that before reaching out, and, and again, I'm speaking from the uh, perspective as, as a board attorney, uh, before reaching out to the respective association whose contract is, is going to expire, um, I strongly recommend a heart-to-heart conversation amongst the superintendent, the board of education, if there's an outside negotiator, um, just to wrestle with that very question that you're asking, should we negotiate right now anyway? And uh, underlying that question is the notion that 
traditionally, and as, as you've very well put it, Ray, these are not traditional times. Traditionally, when a board goes to the table, they are fit, the board is fairly certain as to what kind of financial situation it finds itself in. So that going to the bargaining table, one could hope that at that very first meeting, let's say, uh, the board knows what its interests are, association knows what is, its interests are, uh, and in good faith the parties bargain um, with the hope of a mutually agreeable settlement, um, especially and including uh, a financial settlement. The problem right now, Ray, is that very few school districts have any degree of certainty regarding their financial situation. Uh, as, as we can all attest, things are changing on a day-by-day -day basis in New Jersey public education, in national public education, and national everything. Things are changing so quickly that there is an argument to be made that perhaps this is not a good time to go to a table where we will be making promises to the respective association that we may not necessarily be able to keep based upon how things are changing. So I, I, I strongly recommend having that conversation. If the result of that conversation amongst the board and the superintendent and any other parties uh, on, on the, uh, who are looking after the board's interests is not to bargain, then by all means there has to be a good faith communication uh, with the association to share that sentiment and, and see where it goes from there. Okay, uh, if the association wants to bargain, uh, you, uh, what's the next course of action? Yeah, um, and, and I can speak from personal experience because uh, I have had those conversations with my uh, client boards and superintendents. Of course, superintendents are non-voting board members. Um, and have had uh, a resulting uh, opinion that perhaps we shouldn't bargain now, and the association said we want to bargain. What uh, we were able to agree upon is we are not in a position to talk bread and butter issues right now. Uh, that will have to await uh, further uh, developments so that if you want to bargain, perhaps we can bargain pure language issues uh, such as um, everything from housekeeping issues in a contract as to whether or not it makes sense to uh, making sure that there aren't provisions in the contract that no longer are utilized um, to even some matters that, that go a little bit more current as far as uh, um, time and, and um, uh, professional development, uh, student contact time, et cetera. Um, and and un underlying that, Ray, is is the importance of if, in fact, the parties are going to go to the table after the board has felt reticent about doing so, I cannot 
overstate the importance of ground rules so that the parties know exactly what to expect with regard to this process in this time. Mm -hmm. uh, have you heard, at least I've had some conversations, um, because of what we were talking about, people are a little reticent and they're unsure of the future that, uh, yeah, we'll negotiate, but we're, we're looking at only for a one-year deal and we'll see where we're, we are, which, we, which wasn't that common before this. But I think that has come up in conversation a little bit more that we'll do a one-year one-year agreement, and then we'll see where the, where we are in a year. Have you had that experience with any of your districts? Yes, and I, you know, you, th this great question, Ray, um, allows me to underscore the fact that uh, you know we have hundreds of school districts in the state of New Jersey. Um, while we are bound by many mutual statutes and regulations, at the same time, different school districts are unique and have their own unique uh, issues, interests, etc. And I have had clients that have come to the conclusion that right now, in the interests of rolling up our sleeves and trying to deal with the craziness that's in front of us, uh, let's not even talk about language, we'll agree upon something, whether it's just uh, everybody moves on the guide and whatever that um, amounts to, or a specific percentage, uh, that's it, one year, cut and run, and let's, and, you know, let's, let's come talk to each other at the end of the 2021 school year and see See where things are. Uh, all that being said, I do know some people are just, uh, they are going into negotiations. Uh, I guess the first question they have to do uh, is how are they going to meet, remotely or in person uh, with some safety protocols? Uh, and I know this is one of those things where they probably would prefer to be in person, but uh, so let's, uh, let's discuss the Pluses and minus. Let's start with with the uh, remote, which uh, probably in March, April, and May people were were very in tune to. So, what are some of the uh, issues if we try to do a remote negotiations? Um, having done some remote negotiations, I will again emphasize the importance of ground rules. Um, the the hallmark of negotiations at all times is good faith, trust, and respect. So the ground rules must reflect some of the issues that are attendant to uh, a Zoom negotiations or a Google negotiations, um, but, you know, basically a remote negotiations. So the the biggest issue with regard to negotiating in person, uh, I'm sorry, with regard to negotiating remotely is you are sacrificing that uh, very important social dynamic uh, that plays a huge role in collective bargaining, namely uh, body language, people's responses, people's reactions. Uh, you can see them when we 
are uh, bargaining remotely, but it's different. It is, it is, mm -hmm. uh, it's remote. <laughs> and so, mm -hmm. uh, so, so that, it, that in and of itself is something to consider. That said, um, all of us who have participated, and I'm sure all of us at this point have participated in one way or the other in remote meetings, you know, you're, you're, you're front and center on your screen, on your little box. Uh, you're there, you're not. So, you know, people, people know you're there. Uh, so there is a certain amount of um, of very natural exposure that that we get to one another uh, via remote. The most important consideration that I came that I've come up with so far in my negotiations using Zoom, for example, um, is the caucus. The importance, of course, of either either or any party needing to take a break from the bargaining to talk to its own team. Um, I strongly recommend that each team make its own provisions for its own caucus room. Uh, in, in good faith and in the interest of, of being uh, giving, I have seen parties who have said, you know, we'll host the Zoom and we'll provide you with a caucus room, et cetera. Um, you know the the one of one of the most important aspects of bargaining uh, in accordance with whatever ground rules everybody agrees upon is the confidential nature of that process and in particular the confidential nature of the individual caucuses amongst the respective parties and toward that end I have found it so much easier if each party just provides for its own caucus room Mm -hmm. That would make sense. Any issues with like documents and keeping those? Con I mean, because everything would be transmitted to each other, uh, or at least yeah, to um, the leader. I, I, again, a great question. Um, we we all have. I I think we need to understand that as part of this conversation, whether we're talking about Zoom, whether we're talking about email. I mean, as a lawyer, my world is based upon the attorney-client privilege, which is a fiduciary relationship, which means, for example, that client confidentiality is paramount in my world. Well, when we're talking about Zoom, when we're talking about anything, email, electronic, et cetera, we are immediately making ourselves vulnerable to vouchsafing the absolute confidentiality of that. So um, I think we just need to recognize that, that once we go remote, we are potentially opening ourselves up to certain problems regarding confidentiality. We've all learned through time, and I think each month that's gone by, I know that the various platforms have have uh, very quickly moved with the times to allow for checks and balances on who can come into a meeting, uh, being able to monitor behavior at meetings, et cetera. So I, I think that, you know, with the caveat that remote participation is inherently riskier than, than an in-person uh, situation that we can all trust we can control, 
Um, there are now safeguards in place that, that certainly make it more palatable. Okay. Uh, we're, uh, be- we're speaking with Phil Stern uh, about uh, negotiation uh, during the pandemic. Uh, now, some people uh, really like that in person. Uh, they, they, uh, and th- they want to try to do that because they probably, if they've been doing this a while, they like the body language. Uh, and it's hard with you only see a talking head to see that. And so uh, is there any uh, issues that they have to look at? I mean, obviously, they have to look at the safety protocols. Uh, anything else? Yes. I, I, I mean, clearly, if, if there is going to be in-person uh, social distancing, et cetera, but I would strongly recommend that uh, the word accommodation needs to be foremost in everybody's mind if the parties wish to um, negotiate in person during these times. And by that, I simply mean if you've got six people on each side, chances are, or more, or even less, chances are that at least one of those people will come from families where there is someone at risk, um, where an individual may feel very uncomfortable about attending an in-person conference. Again, going back to ground rules, and just having plain old honest conversations to the extent that the parties can combine an in-person with the opportunity for somebody who needs to be remote to be so, um, I strongly recommend such accommodations. Okay. Uh, We're speaking with Phil Stern about negotiations. If you have a question, dial 1-347-989-8904 and press the number one, and Robin will uh, get your name, and I will put you up to ask Phil a question. Or you can just type your question or comment in the chat room, uh, which you'd have to log in with Blog Talk Radio, and I'll pass it on to Phil. Uh, Phil, uh, you know, when we went through this entire uh, shutdown of our schools and we went to remote learning overnight, now if if, if there was a non-pandemic world, I'm sure there would have been a, a – a little bit of an uproar from the teachers, like you can't do this, so because um, it's not in the contract, and our contracts really don't cover a lot of that. So I would assume that um, people going into negotiation now, there will be new issues that we haven't had to deal with, and one would, I guess would be like remote learning. Is that one of the how it's instru- you know is that coming up? Without question, um, probably the core of the issue associated with bargaining in August of 2020 is the notion that we we are witnessing boards and associations having conversations whether or not their collective bargaining agreement is even up. But because we are touching upon many issues that by law are mandatorily negotiable. We have associations insisting upon uh, conversations about bargaining terms and conditions arising out of this pandemic. 
uh, remote learning, certainly front and center of those conversations. And your question, Ray, also underscores the importance of remembering that when we engage in collective bargaining, we should think of it not as this, you know, discrete uh, several months, hopefully at most, uh, process where we do it and then we stop doing it and then we forget about it for the next few years. I think that the, the pandemic has, has dramatically underscored the importance of realizing that we are always in the process of negotiating, of bargaining, of, of testing the uh, relevance, the uh, um, workability of our respective collective bargaining agreements based upon the reality of the day. One could argue that we could have that same conversation before the pandemic hit us, that there are issues in, in this part, in, in this time, uh, that make many of our collective bargaining agreements somewhat outdated. But now, mm -hmm. with the pandemic, as you're suggesting, it just blows it out of the water as far as uh, how few contracts have provisions in them uh, contemplating what we are dealing with right now. I would say that, that yeah, that no, no one was contemplating what we're having now, even though I can't contemplate it in a minute. So, um, well, uh, yeah, so it, it, what's going to come it, up is the parameters for teaching remotely from, for the teacher and, and other, it's going to come up for the next couple of few years and probably permanently, I guess. Right. Well, well, and and not for uh, the quick answer is yes, Ray. Absolutely, and not for nothing. How long have we been aware of um, uh, remote distance learning, if you will? How how long has that term been in our vernacular? Uh, I would argue, I've been I've been aware of it for at least ten years. How often? does distance learning come into our conversation when we are talking about terms and conditions of employment in our collective bargaining agreements? Uh, some districts, it's in there. Some districts have never talked about it until now. Yep. Where, you know, yep. as, and, as and you, I would say the associations you know, haven't talked about it either. Well, I, so, I, I, um, you know, you and I are both very much aware, Ray, you know, this, this whole notion of cameras, of, of video, of all the different dynamics that are associated with remote uh, learning and distance learning, et cetera, implicate major concerns that we've heard from our respective associations over the years. So th there's, there's a lot to talk about here. Um, and at the same time, a lot to talk about at a time where the rules are changing by the minute. Right. And uh, let me put another issue out there, which I'm sure is coming up. Taking leave. Uh, maybe you're not even sick, but someone in your family is 
um, tested positive. You know, you, your spouse tests positive. You really can't come into work. You're not sick. Uh, and maybe you're a district that's not doing the remote learning or you, you're not. Is, is that something that's going to come up as a, an issue of, you know, how's that time off allotted? There's a there's a wonderful phrase uh, that I've never forgotten that says uh, we're building the plane as we're flying it. Yeah, and right now, given the fact that we have executive orders, new statutes governing uh, time off, how we compensate. Uh, this this is as complicated a time as we could find ourselves in, Ray, because so much of what we have to talk about at the bargaining table is also being influenced by legislation and executive order. So it's a it's a question of keeping current on all that flurry that we've seen over the last four plus months uh, regarding leaves, regarding who gets paid for what, um, and then uh, talking to members of the respective associations about what it all means. And your, I, I can tell you that there has not been a day that's gone by in the last four plus months that I have not spoken to clients about leave issues. Um, as everybody in New Jersey public education knows, if you want to take a sick day in New Jersey uh, public education, you have to be sick. Um, we have family leave. We have all these leave acts. But what about the, uh, the idea of a district that, that is going to be in person and yet uh, members of the staff, uh, for whatever reason, not it, not having to do with their own illness, but having to do with their concerns about other family members, uh, cannot come in. There's a dynamic mm -hmm. there that cries out for meaningful conversation, both at the bargaining table and within the districts themselves, as far as conversations between administration, board, and association. Mhm. Mm mhm. Mm yeah, they may ha actually they may have to quarantine because a student <laughs> tested positive. Um, uh, is there anything? Uh, I mean, so these things uh, from what I'm hearing from you, uh, both the the remote learning parameters uh, and instruction, I should say, from the teachers' point of view, and also the health and leave and all those other issues are probably something that's going to be with us for the foreseeable future in all negotiations. Because uh, it's, and it's something that the board probably should sit and discuss beforehand uh, with their administration. If there was ever a need for preparation, it is now. And if there was ever a need for reconsidering, it, and, and this goes out to those districts who have had histories of particularly um, uh, um, adversarial negotiations where there's all you know uh, impasse and fact finding and table banging and headbutting and and the like. Uh, one could argue that as of August 
thir- what's today, the 13th? Yes. Yeah. As of August 13th, 2020, one could argue that if there was ever a time to put aside the adversarial nature of bargaining and uh, think of it more in terms of what are our respective interests with regard to collective bargaining, that time is now. Um, We are across the table when we collectively bargain with our teachers, people who we entrust with one of the most miraculous and important aspects of being a human, which is teaching and learning. Uh, How on earth, pandemic, can we do that if we're yelling at each other and not properly listening to one another? We have like one minute. Um, It went pretty fast. Do you have any, uh, briefly, any other piece of advice that you would pass on to their board as they go into negotiations? Absolutely, Ray. And I I was, I mean, what I'm inferring is that boards need to understand that they have choices about how they bargain. Uh, the, the traditional dance of um, uh, exchanging proposals, et cetera, works, and it's a good process, and I'm not for a second suggesting otherwise. However, there are other methods of bargaining as well that don't require the parties to necessarily defend proposals, but to understand one another's interests towards that end. I couldn't recommend more a book called Getting to Yes by Fisher and Yuri from the Harvard Negotiations Project. Very short book, but very, very helpful in terms of understanding what interest-based bargaining is. Thank you. I'd like to thank Phil Stern for joining me on this program. I hope you found it informative. Uh, I think the face of negotiations will have changed um, actually probably uh, for the foreseeable future. Thank you, Phil. My pleasure, Ray. Thank you. Okay. And I hope everyone has a good afternoon.